some of us can teach some of us can uh, to be in the background cleaning up you know that's their, their calling and that's still the body of Christ it's not it doesn't matter who's on the platform and who's not who's cleaning bathroom toilets it's it's we are one body of Christ and the more that we gather together and encourage each other and unite the stronger we're going to be in the power of God is displayed in the church so um I want to go with, you know, if, if we, I'm going to be, if you have notes or you're taking notes, I'm probably, I'm going to be all over the place with scripture. So if you just write, write down the, uh, the verse um, that I'm going to be using, the address, um, you can do that. Uh, I'll read through it too because I wrote them down. But if you turn to Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it's the beginning of the church. And we're going, talking about unity and we're talking about how um, the whole church was together and they were putting together um basically the foundation of what Jesus' was, uh, message was, his gospel, and how they were going to be able to go forth with that message to the people um, around Jerusalem up to Antioch through Asia Minor and then across to Macedonia down to Corinth and of course eventually to Rome where uh, Paul wanted to go to Spain. So, um, but we can see in Acts 4.32 and 33 that the church gathered in one accord. So now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of these things was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord, and great grace was upon them all. And I know this, this passage has been taken out of context a little bit. Some people use this uh, passage to say that, you know, he puts everybody, it's kind of like that whole people want to give into socialism and just have everybody for free and nobody has to do anything. And that's not exactly... That's far from what Paul was saying. He was saying that they were gathered together as one body, and as one body functions together, it was being blessed by God. Grace was being poured out. The power of God was being displayed in this because people were seeing the needs. They were seeing the hunger of each other, and they were like, well, I'm abundant in this area. I want to give you what I have. you don't have, and then you, you're abundant in that area. I want to take, I'm going to receive what God has given you that I don't have. And it's a proper... Um, Representation is a great example of how the body is supposed to be. Uh, our hands working together, our legs, everything is just working together in one accord with what God has designed the church to be. So, as you can see also, it said the great power of the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord. Sorry. But you can see the power of God and the grace of God was poured out on all the apostles because they were united as a body of Christ. They weren't divided. They weren't arguing. They weren't um, trying to put different sects in their, uh, in their grouping and uh, trying to divide each other. But they were gathered together. So it was, it's, and it's an amazing thing. And as you can see, that as the start of the church it carried out to the epistles that Paul, John, and of course Peter wrote in the New Testament. Um, if we, you know, go in, Paul goes more into depth with this. Um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, where it says, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to, be a, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 13. So the he is he talking about, he himself gave some to be apostles is Jesus. Jesus gave these gifts to us. These are something that he has ordained in the church. This is something that he has put together to be one body, one united um, group to carry on that gospel message. It's not about 
what is um, the different topics, but it's about, okay, this is your role, this is my role, this is, um, we all have different roles. So the sooner that we are able to understand that this is not for us. God did not call me up here right now to share with you for me, but he did it for what? The equipping of the saints. You guys are all saints. If God is, you have accepted Jesus and you are basically hungry for more of God in your life, you are a saint and God, saint. And God is calling us to equip, okay? The, the, the Pastor Shane, Pastor Abram, when they get up there, their job is to equip you to go out there. And I've heard it, and some people might disagree with this, and you can use both analogies. They both work too. But for me, personally, I have always looked at the church as an armory. Some people look at it as a hospital where you come and you bandage your wounds, and you get all your, your thing, and you go back out there, and then you get wounded again and come back to church. And I have never agreed with that. I've always said that the church is an armory. You come in, you get your ammo, and you go back out and you fight the enemy. And when you go out and fight that enemy, say that there's something that happens to you and you do get injured. Guess what? That's why we have field medics. I was in the military, and I know how that is. So you call brother up. You call me up. You call anybody up, and you say, hey, guess what? I'm struggling with this right now. And that is exactly what a field medic does. They say, let me pray for you. Let me encourage you right now, because that is not how the church is supposed We don't leave a brother behind. We don't leave him in the trench to die himself. We go over, we help him, we encourage him, we build him up, and we unite as a body of Christ. And that is exactly what God is telling us and what Paul was explaining to us here in Ephesians. Amen. So... Um, when I was in the military, as I just briefly, briefly shared, um, we were, of course, in, in my technical training, I was, a, I was a security forces. So we went through 12 weeks of training in the field and doing stuff to, uh, to kind of, to, of course, tone our, our senses, to be able to throw grenades, you know, shoot guns and work as a team, to work as a convoy, to set up perimeters and all that good stuff. But uh, it didn't come as easy as we wanted to. There's people from New York, people from LA, people from all over the place, and we all were diverse people. And you can see, the people from New York didn't want to get along with the people from LA, and it's sad to say. So one of these times that we were there, and you could really start to feel the friction in the flight, the training instructors got us together on one of our kind of down days, and we went in and sat in one of the rooms, and they made us watch Remember the Titans. I'm pretty sad, but it kind of worked because the fact that we, were, we understood that if we were going to be a team, if we were going to push together as a goal, we needed to work together as a team. And from there, we went on to a, I think it was a 24-hour detail where we had to go out and stay awake and guard uh, basically a flight, flight um, line with uh, the enemy advancing, and we were all in foxholes. But we can see how after that point, we decided, okay, in order for us to pass this, in order for us to pass this, you know, um, exercise that they were forcing us through, we had to work together as a team. You had two people in a foxhole, one had a radio, and then you had, you know, 50 yards down, 50 yards down, and then you got a, a 60 gunner on top of a Humvee sitting and guarding a gate. There, there's these things that took place, and for everything to be functioning well, every member had to do their job. Every member in the foxhole, they had to sit there and they had to be attentive and they had to be alert. And let me tell you, being awake for 18, 20 hours, you start to get a little sleepy. And yeah, you're, you're going to, you know, look at your buddy and like, hey, let me take a 10 minute nap, please <coughs> stay watch. But, you know, we worked together and we got it done and we passed the exercise and it was fun. And I bring that up because that's exactly what we're supposed to do. If we can do it in physical warfare, we need to do it in spiritual warfare too. We need to be able to work together and pray together and be able to 
join together and encourage each other and build up this body of Christ. If we're going to meet that goal, and what is the goal? The goal is to take those lost and bring them to Christ. It's not to be, my theology is this and Bill's theology is this. It's bringing us, and the last message that Jesus said to us before it went is go into the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to take this exact, what commandment that Jesus left us with, then we are failing if we're not going in and looking behind enemy lines and being like, that's a brother that's lost. He's being blinded by Satan right now, and he needs to come back. Why aren't we going after him instead of bickering and fighting about, this is what I believe, this is what you believe, and we're becoming divided as a church, not this church, I'm just saying. And we need to become more engaged, we need to become more um, together so that we can grab those lost men, women, families that are behind enemy lines right now. Because time is running out, and our mission is to go and save them. You know, there's plenty of movies out there where you know you hear those never leave a fallen man behind. We go back and we're going to go, you know, you can see those movies that they've created and they're phenomenal. And that's exactly what we're supposed to do in our spiritual fight too. We go over and we save and we go and witness and we present the gospel to people that need to hear it. So, um, we as believers have the same struggle, but our obstacle is is we, we struggle with core foundations because some people, um, of course, we get divided by opinions, we get divided by interpretations of scripture, we get um, by beliefs instead of coming together with the same cause. So um, if if we go behind enemy lines, we bring them back, we rest them no matter what the differences are. If we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 19, it says, For as the body is one and many members... But all the members of that body, being many, we are one body, and so is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, we have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not the body, is it therefore not the body? If, we, if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? If the whole uh, were hearing, where would be the smell? And how, how God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if there were all one member, where would be the body? So if we were all one eyeball rumbling around the room, then that would be looking pretty silly. But we all look normal when we are, you know, we have all the functioning body parts. Okay? The hands cleaning the bathroom, the feet that are going, the missionaries that are preaching, although that is a call that we're all called to do, but there are all functions that we as a body of Christ are called to do. And this is exactly what Paul is doing in Romans 16. He is encouraging them and he's building them up saying, thank you, greet this person because of their recognition for opening their house, for selling Aquila. Greet the church that is in their house. They reached out to the gym cell. They, they risked their own necks for the gospel and so many people have been ministered to and reached because of that how many times how many people in this room can say that someone rest their necks for you to to be able to believe in god and to, to and that, that's an amazing thing we need that um so with that being said we also have to remember that in john 17 when john 16 goes through and john jesus starts praying for his disciples he starts praying for them to be 
bold and in unity. And then in 17, he starts to go through us. He says, those that believe in their words, have them be unified as you and I are one. And he's talking about the Father. So even in Jesus' words, he knew this was going to be a struggle for the church. He knew that we needed to be united. We needed to be coming together as that body of Christ so that we can affect the world around us. We can't do it on our own. You know, the wolf always goes after the lone sheep. He doesn't go after all of the flock. Because why? He's going to get a whooping from the shepherd. The shepherd's power comes because he's with the entire flock. But if that one person goes solo and thinks that he knows everything better, he knows the, the gospel better, he knows his theology up and down, and that knowledge is good, then guess what? He starts to separate himself from the flock. And once you separate yourself from the body, if you cut off your hand, guess what happens? It's going to shrivel up and die. It's not going to be able to be attached to you. Because I mean, I'm not saying you're not going to be attacked, but I'm saying it has no function, right? Because it has to be connected to the body. And the body of Christ is what we are. So if we're going to try to separate ourselves from the body, it's going to be very difficult for us. And guess what? Satan's going to go after you harder and harder and harder because he doesn't want you back in the body. He does not want you to fulfill what God has called you to as the man of God. So um, with that being unity, um, he, he also, of course, was encouraging them too. So... Um, if you, Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Okay? Let us consider each other to stir up love and good works. It does not mean that we are to stir up arguments. It doesn't mean we're supposed to say, well, he's a young earther, I'm an old earther. Or, you know, he can, you know, once saved, always saved. Or no, there's no one saved, always saved. Or whatever it is. That's not what he did. We're supposed to stir up. We're supposed to stir up love, and we're supposed to stir up good works. Now you're saying, oh, well, what's good work? Good works is if, if you love God, you're going to show. You're going you're gonna to be overflowing with love. You're going to be um, able to show people. People are going to see that fruit, okay? John 15 talked about that. But it's not something where it's for... It's not a requirement for our salvation at all. It's not. But it is a sign. It is a representation. Okay? Because if you, if, if, if you gentlemen are married in here, I'm married, I have two kids. So if, if we love our spouse, we love our wife, and we say, hey, babe, I love you, I love you, but you absolutely do nothing to show that love. You just say the words every single day, and then you, you don't help around the house, you don't do the dishes, you don't go and get her, you know, things that she needs. Guess what? You, do you think she's actually going to start thinking you actually love her, or do you think it's just words? It's going to become just words. But by if you're really loving that my wife, if I'm loving my wife and you're loving your wife, then the thing that comes from it is we're going to show that truth. We're going to show that love because of that overflowing that we have. Wow, she makes me feel this way. So guess what? I'm going to go home tonight. I'm going to do the dishes. I'm going to clean up, and I'm going to let her relax. I'll put the kids to bed so she can read a book. She could get that extra Jesus time in and reading the Bible. Guess what? That's loving your wife. And that's exactly what good works are. It's showing that fruit of why do we love that person. It's just not words. We don't just say it and then walk away. We produce it. And so when is the last time that we've encouraged something, encouraged someone in how to love? How do we, you know, to step out and serve the good works? How many of you said, hey, uh, 
I noticed that you have this characteristic, I know you have this personality, and I think you'd be great working with children in this room. Or, you know, maybe uh, we need you on the sound team. Maybe we need you, I don't have a gift of sound, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to help. Guess what? Then get, That's something that we need to go after and say, hey, I noticed that in you, and we really need help on that in this department, whatever the department would be. So um, just to get you thinking about that, that, that is encouraging the brothers, right? That's encouraging, hey, I see that gift. I see what God has put in your heart. I see what God has put in your life. And guess what? I think you should serve here. That is encouraging and that's stirring up the good works that somebody is bound to have. But some people are sitting on it because why? Maybe they're afraid to move. I know there's a, been a gentleman here that never wanted to teach, never wanted to be up here, never wanted to share anything. And I kept encouraging him, encouraging him, encouraging. And finally, he got up here and did it. And when he did it, he was beyond blessed because of what he learned in his own word, in his own study, I mean, okay? And he stirred up. And how many of us are saying, oh, I'm never going to be able to teach. I'm never going to get up here behind it and share. I mean, but there, there could be that time where God's calling you, hey, you really do can learn something if you plug your own self in and know what the word of God says. And that's encouraging the brothers. So... Galatians chapter one verses uh, chapter six verses one and two says, "Brethren, if a man is taken over in trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one in spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tested or tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ." Okay, that's a good one because it it kind of goes into. What are we supposed to do? Verse 17, note those who cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine. And he's saying that if a brother is in a trespass, if you are spiritual, restore him in the spirit of gentleness. One of the things that I struggle with for many, many, many years is I would be the first one to go over and I would be restore you. I'd tell you you're wrong. I'd tell you why you're wrong. I'd give you all the scripture you want, but guess what I was lacking? That spirit of gentleness. I did it out of arrogance, I did it out of pride in my own heart because I wanted to be the one that corrected. And that's not what the Word of God is telling us. See, if we stir up that love in each other, if we stir up what is we're supposed to have in our heart, then that love is going to overflow and we're going to have that spirit of gentleness. We're going to not approach our brother in sin, we're not going to approach somebody and say, man, I saw what you were doing and, you know, i got to tell you what the Word of God says. No, that's not what we're going to be doing. We're going to go and say, hey, I'm telling you this because I love you and I care about you and I want to see your gifts. I want to see God use you in an, an amazing way, but he's not going to be able to use you in this way if we continue to down this path. See, if you, if you change your tone, if you give that person a gentleness in the way that you approach him, it changes everything. It really does. And I, this is something I've, I've not mastered. I am going to be <laughs> trying to nail this down until the day he takes me home but it, it is a constant battle it's justification by faith it's going to always be something that you're going to be doing the rest of your life there's going to be times you get mad there's going to be times that you get upset with somebody and be like dude but are you going to get back up off that floor when you fall down and you'll be like you know what i messed up i shouldn't have said that i shouldn't have talked to you that way let me try again a different approach let me give you that gentleness the bible has called me to uh, give you I studied apologetics for, for a very long time, and the apologetics comes from 1 Peter 3.15, where it says, you know, always be prepared to give a defense 
for the word of God. But a lot of people say, oh, defense. But the end of that sentence actually goes on to say in gentleness. Okay? And gentleness is, if you go through the, the scriptures, Colossians talks about it, Ephesians, Galatians, 1 Peter. There's always going to be those times where it's saying when you go and approach another brother, it says do it in, in gentleness, do it in, in love. We are to love and stir up that love in each other. And we're supposed to unite that body of Christ. So, um, look, the end part of that verse says that we need to bear one another's burdens. So fulfill the law of Christ. So what is the law of Christ? How do we bear each other's burdens? How does bearing burdens encourage and love? I can tell you one thing. I've had people call me up, and I've called people up when I'm having a hard time, and they just say, well, let me pray for you right now. And do you need me to come over? Do you need me to take you to lunch? Do you need me to... Um, do you need me to take care of you? Do you need to do something? And there's been men, and, then I, and Joe, I thank you for that because you've done that for me. And I, and I want to do, and I'm sure that people want to do that for each other in this room. Okay? You have that bad day. You have that time where Satan is attacking you. Those spiritual attacks are just hitting you on the doorstep, and you just can't get away. And you need that person to help you carry that burden. That person to call you up and say, hey, or you call them up, and you're like, hey, I'm just struggling right now. God is hitting me up. God is. Um, uh, it, 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 I don't know what's going on if I, if I am being you know God is bringing me through something if he's trying to test me in patience or to give me patience and I'm, I'm losing the battle but I need prayer and that person to call you up and just talk to you it doesn't even need to be somebody that you know that you have to meet I've talked to I want to say thank you Shane for talking to me too on some, some of those times there's plenty of guys in this room where there have been those times where we step up and we bear those burdens for each other. And that is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And that is what Galatians is talking about here. So what is the law of Christ? What is, what is it to bear one another's burdens? It is to love on them, to bring them closer back to the body of Christ. Because I don't know about you, but when I get frustrated, when I get depressed, or when I need, I, I tend to separate myself. I shut down. I don't want people to know, and I don't want to have anybody know what I'm going through. And I'll go into the, you know, uh, my wife, hey, what's going on? Nothing. And I'll just go over there and, you know, sit on the computer or I'll just watch the TV and kind of be like a, a zombie, a zone, zoned off, because I don't want to deal with what's going on. But it just takes that one brother. It takes that one person to come into your life and just say, oh, hey, let me help you, Gary. Let me help you pick up those burdens. Let me, you know, help you to point you. And we don't look at that person like they're our savior. We don't look at them like, wow, they're the person. But that person is supposed to, you know, many times just come to us and say, thank you. Thank you for pointing me back to the cross. Thank you for recognizing that I'm the one that needs Jesus and I'm not, I've kept my eyes from him and I'm just struggling. I'm looking at those storms, the, the waves coming across and I've taken my eyes off Jesus. I'm starting to sink. But God puts those brothers into our life. He puts those people into our life to encourage us, to build us up and to bring us back. So um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. It reflects the same message. It says, With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So in gentleness, again, long-suffering, patience. Sometimes it's patience. Sometimes you got to call me up and yell at me three times before I finally get the message. Sometimes you, you know, it won't take only one phone call to bear a burden. Sometimes it takes a whole month of trying. So guess what? It's long-suffering and it's love. We really have love. We all really have Christ in our hearts. And we really are hungry to be that 
um, body that he has called us to be, that man of God, then we're going to overflow with that love. So, if you read uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, it also tells us, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also forgive them. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So for us to be encouraged, we need to show that love. doesn't matter if we're struggling with, you know, differences. Um, if we don't agree with somebody's point of view, um, we are called to love them no matter what. That is the purpose. It's not... Well, let me try to correct your theology because you don't believe what I believe. That, that's not what the Bible is telling us at all. The Bible is telling us love. It's telling us to put on tender mercies, kindness, and humility. I was one of those guys that would be on the social medias. I, I'd go and I'd hunt for it. And I'd go find those guys that had a different view than me. They'd read a scripture and think of it in a different way. And I'd go after them. And... You know, it took a lot of humility. It took a lot of God hitting me in the head with a baseball bat to get me to realize that is not what the gospel is all about. The gospel is about the love, the encouragement, and building up that body of Christ. It, it always amazed me back in the military how when we were stateside, the, the NCOs, the, the non-commissioned officers, all the enlisted people, they would they, they would be together pretty good, I guess. We'd have respect for the master chiefs and the, everybody going up to uh, the chain of command. But when it came to like the uh, the officers, lieutenants, captains, and all them, you would. For me, it was different because I worked at a base where four-star generals were walking around like it was nothing. So if you saw a captain, you'd be like, whatever, you're nothing. So, but we wouldn't have that commodity with them because of the fact that it was stateside. Everything's saying, well, yeah, okay, I gotta respect you, I gotta salute, because of the rank, not the person. But once we went over to Iraq, once we got deployed, everything changed. I had colonels looking at me and thinking I was the best thing in their squad, in their platoon. Why? Because their life depended on it. If I went over and saluted them, guess what? If there was a sniper, they'd be gone in a second, because they know that they were the leader. I might even die myself, but there was a commodity there was a togetherness over there that we didn't have over here. Why? Because over here was safe and peace. But over there, in 2003, when the war just began, it was chaos. Al-Qaeda, everybody was gathering in, everybody was trying to get after you. So those friends and those people and that togetherness really came together over there because of why? The warfare going on. And if you guys didn't know it, and if you guys do, it's, hard, it's something that you always need to keep in the front, front, forefront of your mind. We are in a spiritual warfare. Okay, The minute you accepted Jesus, the, one, the, the day that you wanted to live for him, this is not a peacetime. This is war. Satan's going after you. He's going after your family. He's going after your friends, your co-workers. And God has put you strategically in a place to reach those people in your lives, to bring them to him. To go across enemy lines, to bring them back if they're blinded or lost. And some of us are just sitting there thinking we're stateside and we're not friends. We're, we got to just, okay, whatever. They want to believe that, let's, let's let them believe that. And that's not what the Word of God tells us. That's not how we're supposed to be as Christians. We're supposed to be advancing. Uh, Matthew 
11.12 says that since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing, and the violent take it by force. We have to go out there and take back what the enemy takes from us. And granted, Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God, and if you look at all the armor, there's only one weapon. Everything's defense. Okay? There's six defending, and I think there's, a, there's one sword, right? The word of God. It's how powerful it is. We only need one thing. But what do we need? We need to protect ourselves when we are. We have that helmet. We have that belt. We have that plate of the righteousness. The feet shot with the gospel of peace. All these things are put in place. The shield is for our protection. So when we advance, okay? It doesn't say just go in there with all defending. We do have a sword. And right after that sword, one of the things it says is pray without ceasing. It says we need to continually pray. Because guess what? That's how we get communication. If I was back on that foxhole, if I had my buddy in that foxhole with me, and the enemy, we had a, uh, we all had blanks, of course, since it was an exercise. But the vehicle was driving towards the foxhole. And we were driving through the foxhole. Guess what? The vehicle wasn't stopping. We, we would yell out, stop, halt. You know, we do what we were told to do. But on top of all that stuff, if they didn't heed to our commands, are we just going to let them run us over? No, we had to take action. So we, of course, taking fire of our blanks, we started unloading the 249 machine gun, the 16 and stuff. But guess what? That's not all we did. If that's all we did, guess what? We wouldn't do very well. Because we don't know how many people were in that vehicle. It was like 3 in the morning. You could be a deuce and we just destroyed the radiator and the vehicle stopped and you have 30 people jump out and the vehicle and surround us and we'd be dead. Two people. But what did we do? We got on the radio and said, we got an attack here in this sector and then we have people in their patrol car come up behind us and give us cover. You know what that was? That's called communication with command. We have a communication with the command right now, the Father. And we need to get up there and we need to always be praying. We got that weapon in our hand. We understand that weapon. We're using that weapon protectively. We're hiding behind that foxhole, that barrier, and make sure that you know the sandbags are in proper place, but that's not good enough. The thing that gives us protected is when we have fellow soldiers in the body of Christ backing us up with the command. We pray, we ask God to get involved, we ask him to help us out, but it's also getting every single one brother that we can to help us out. Hey, I'm struggling here. Guess what? You need to help me. Oh, well, you know, I'm struggling in that area too. You can pray for me and I'll pray for you. We'll keep each other accountable. That's exactly what this foxhole representation does. It helps us understand our calling in this spiritual warfare and the battle that we are in. But it comes with talking to the commander. God the Father is there. He's listening and he's, he needs to hear it. Just because they know what... The command post in that exercise knew exactly where they were attacking. They knew what were going on, but they needed us to tell them because they were making sure that we were doing what we were supposed to, just like God is saying, hey, I know what you're going to say before you say it, but I still want you to say it. Why is that? Because he needs to know our hearts. He needs to know how hungry we are for him. And if we say we're hungry for him, but we don't want to talk to him, does that really mean we're hungry for him? I'm just throwing it out there. I know I struggle with that. I know I can struggle with that. We're like, oh, God, I'm hungry for you, but I'm too busy right now. i got to get up in the morning, i got to get dressed, and i got to come back over here and watch 200 kids run around the building terrorize them. <laughs> but am I going to get up at 5.30 or 6 or 5 and say, okay, God, I'm going to take this time, I'm going to read, I'm going to pray, I'm going to worship you before I come into this atmosphere where these kids need you. Who knows what kind of home they're going to go to, what, what brokenness they're going to go. And I might be that only light besides what's going on, where they're going to need that big hug, they're going to need that high five, that means the world to them because their dad just yelled at them before they walked out the door. 
whether mom was yelling at me. You don't know. So we gotta be prepared for this. So, um, so here's a couple more. Just 1 Peter 3.8 is being says, be of one mind. 2 Corinthians 13.11 also talks about being of one mind. And of course, one of the best verses that we as men usually hold on to and we love is Proverbs 27.17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man should sharpen another. So, and a lot of people think of it, they're like, okay, cool, sharpen, but there's a lot of clanking. There's a lot of sparks flying when we have to sharpen each other. And you come to me and tell me, like, afterward, Jaira, your, your teaching tonight was pretty prideful and all. Guess what? I got to be the one that says, you're right. You know what? I got to change my heart. I got to change my mind. And I got to fix that. But if I'm going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Whatever. If you want to come after me, that's just whatever. I can have the heart of what we were talking about in humility, or I can have the heart to correct, and or I can just turn and right and say, no. And it's on us. It comes down to us. So, um, real quick before I close, because I got five minutes, um, I want to talk about the caution, because he did put in there, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrines which you Lord learned, and avoid them. For those who are, do not serve our Lord Jesus, but their own belly. Um, so, when... Paul opens up the letter in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 3.3. 3, he says that they are still of the flesh because there is bickering and fighting among them. He also warns in 1 Corinthians 1.10 that there should be no division. Um, if you remember, some people were saying, oh, I'm of, of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of, you know, Paul. The church already started to say, I'm going to follow a man, a, I'm going to follow a body part rather than who is holding the body together. So there are very clear cautions in the Word of God that tells us the actions that we need to take when it comes to those people who are causing divisions, those people that are preaching contrary to a doctrine. And one thing that I have learned, I used to, like I told you already, I, I used to debate all kinds of topics, and if you didn't believe what I believe, what the Word of God says, the interpretation, I would go after you. And I would try to get you to change your mind, get you to believe what I wanted you to believe, not what the Word of God, well, I believed it was what the Word of God was telling, but I wasn't doing it in the way God was telling me, number one. But the biggest thing about it was these discussions and these arguments that I would bring up would be always about discouraging and getting us angry. Um, I was on a I think it was a three-week discussion back and forth for hours a day about one topic of the Bible. And at the end of it, nothing happened. He believed what he believed. I believed what he, I believed. And there was no unity. There was no encouragement. And there was always, and it was just a big frustration. Okay, well, you don't understand that. I don't understand that. So we're going to go our separate ways. So for that, I would encourage you if you would get into a discussion with somebody, the number one thing in that discussion is encouraging. Is that topic going to encourage them and draw them closer to Christ? If it doesn't, then it's not a topic that needs to be argued over. Now, if it's biblical and it's not according to the Word of God, that's, of course, different, and that's exactly what Paul said here. But if you're going to go after what Pastor Shane says, those topics,
topics that are not hills to die on, and guess what? You're losing because you're not encouraging. Can these topics happen? Absolutely. They can happen. Where you can encourage somebody can has plenty of times have come up to me and said, hey, I want to understand your take on this. And you can lovingly and, and gentleness go in and talk to them and say, this is how I believe it, this is what I do. And they come and present to you. But the moment it turns into an argument or a discussion that's discouraging and does not glorify God, then the conversation needs to stop because that's not what the body of Christ is all about. Um, Timothy, Paul also was telling Timothy um, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, he says, As I urged you when I left Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables or endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in the faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith, which some, having strayed, turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things they affirm. So there's people that just want to be in that position of authority just so that they can have it. And we need to be cautious because why? They've left the commandment from a love from pure heart, good conscience, and a sincere faith. Sincere faith is believing, you know, what God has called us to do and to, to encourage others to it. Now we encourage each other and we bring the body of Christ together. And um, we, we want those people in the church. If you read uh, 2 John chapter 2, I mean 2 John 10, sorry there's no chapters in John that we shouldn't receive anyone does not bring to this teaching. He says, don't even close the door and do not give them a greeting. And you're like, whoa, that's kind of harsh. But you got to remember, go back and read 1 John. It's all about love. Those who say they love their brother and they, and they hate their brother and say they love God, they're a liar. John understood love. He understood gentleness. He understood what it was um, to be a believer and a follower of Christ. 1 John 4 talks about God is love. So he understood it. But the following epistle right away, he says, these people are dividing the church and if they're causing rifts among us, then guess what? We need to avoid them. We need to count them out. But how do we do that? We do it with love. You're not going to kick somebody out. If you're kicking somebody out because you disagree with them, then I would honestly say you're wrong. Because our heart should be, I don't want you to leave, I don't want to avoid you, but because you are speaking a lie, because you are not living according to the word, I have no choice but to separate myself because of that. It's not a gratification saying, well, guess what, I'm not going to talk to that person anymore because they don't believe what I believe. No. If we have disagreements, we have disagreements, but I guarantee you one thing that we have in common is love. And if we love each other, those disagreements are going to pass away. They're not going to become a topic, but they're going to be like, how can I pray for you today? You're struggling in this area. Let me, let, me, let me help you. Let me pray for you. Let me encourage you in this area. Do you need to know the Bible more? Do you need to know this topic? Come and talk to me. Those things could happen, but they need to start with love, and they need to have gentleness when we approach them. So I encourage all of us today to unify and to encourage. As Paul was ending this letter to Romans um, he was doing the same. He gave that caution. He gave that word to, to be careful of those people, those teachers, those people that came with the wrong doctrine and started switching the doctrine. 
But you can see that through there, he was encouraging. He named so many people that were a blessing to him, so many people that encouraged him, and so many people that were building up that body of Christ in different, different regions across the entire <coughs> Europe and Asia. So what are we going to do to be able to encourage, unite, and build up the body of Christ? And that's what I'm going to leave you with. Remember, Psalms 133.1 says, Behold, how good and pleasant is it for the brethren to dwell together in unity. So let's dwell in unity. Amen. Amen. I have a quick announcement. We are in need of sound people. So if you do want to get connected to sound, come and back see me. Um, I'm head of the sound team. Be on the soundboard. Do the sound. If you can turn the radio on in your car, you can do the sound. Once, I mean, it looks like a lot when you're looking at the board, but and, and guys, I want to encourage you to get find your niche. Sound? Find out I hope I have enough. You want to do? You want to get back to the five? I printed out 40. I don't know if we have over 20 today, so if we do just share, please. Jeff, 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 No, you don't have to. Oh, forget the bills. You can let a bill skip. We'll pay them. We'll pay themselves. Yeah. So who put that um, candy right there? Was that you? Candy. I don't see no candy. I already ate it. Did you like it? Was that from you? Well, how did you know it was there? Where did it come I from? No, I didn't. I you said, said it was there candy. No, was you candy? Part, no, I okay, you ready? I already ate it, but where did it come from? Hey, what have we done to help unify the body of Christ? <laughs> Giving people like Daniel candy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amen. Was that from you, Felipe? It was. I saw you eat one too. So someone gave you one too, or what? Hey, it doesn't matter where the candy came from. Are we in our Mr. Candy Fairy. I just want to know who the supplier is. So, you, Daniel, that's you got to answer the question. Okay. What have I done to help? Unify the body of Christ. Uh, what's what I've some. Hold on. Hey, Bill, should we tell about your story? Wait, what's the two story? Wait, what? Oh, Chubby Bunny.
<laughs> he died. So, so, so they were uh, they were uh, setting up for this, and uh, they were going to do a marshmallow eating contest. Bill stuffed a whole bunch in his mouth and actually started choking, and they had a time leg. And the was actually there, yeah. And he scrapped and everything, and yeah. Wait, how did you get it out of his mouth? You had no, to like put your fingers. Did, did, somebody else did. Well, you had to like finger swoop his mouth. Yeah, he, he turned purple and everything. I mean, he they almost lost him. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to our question. Dang, I thought Damien was a little off that one time. What have I done to help you find the body of Christ? So, for my answer for that one, I would say, well, I do it sometimes, not always. Sometimes I do the wrong thing, but you're supposed to do the right thing. And so, on a positive note, sometimes I would lift someone up, give them encouragement, give them the positive feedback that they need, but then also include scripture with it. Or just be a loving hand for someone. Being the unity that we all need. Unfortunately, I can't lie, but I haven't always done that. Are you enjoying that cheese there, Felipe? Don't joke. It's not marshmallows. Yeah, I'm not going to be trying to finger swoop and cheese out of your mouth. Who's next? Or that way. Or that way. Or this way. Let's go to the one who's texting. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm looking something up. Uh, just read it. Is there, is there anything I have done to the church or someone I need to see for uh, reconciliation with you? Uh, you can. I mean, just whatever you think. I mean, whatever. Someone else can answer should all like kind of if we can have something to do we should have more than just one opinion about what is the unifying the body of Christ uh, I mean for me it's just encouraging people you know we all I think have problems with not being able to encourage people we all have bad days I think um, you know and it's like Jairo was saying it's you know you gotta reach out to a brother who's I think that's part of unifying our own body as well just even though we're down and we reach out, I think we're actually going to find our bodies as well. But that kind of not just always helping a brother out for detail, whatever ministry we're involved with, whatever. You know, so, anybody else have any thoughts that we'd like to share a little bit? Yeah, being able to help in the ministry has given me the ability to help. In some form of way to help those like get together and get to know more people about I'll be the part of the youth group, meet people of my age, people that I can go to, people that I can hang out with and reach out to if I need to find these ways for me. Maybe you can reach out for others. 
Well, you're a part of the use? All right, Tony. I know you guys. The gym, you're always... What I have To help the But hey, I don't think you got to out that time. This is what I, this is what did I do with it in the gym. Yeah, there it is. This is what I do one time. Yep. I, uh, I see the young people go there, you know, a lot of young people, and, and I don't know why, I, I, somehow I know they're like, they're, uh, somehow they, uh, they're Christians, but they're like, kind of like, uh, separated, you know, and sometimes I, I just say, hey, remember, and then they say, oh, I'm a Christian, so that's like, uh, Tony, do that thing you do when you slam the thing really hard and you get super loud. Yeah, we do it really good because a lot of yeah. kids are that age. Even as adults, I even had some some of those young people come and they're open to me. You know, something I I know about it. Yeah. I'm trying to tell me that you should promise me. Yeah. You know, because uh, they uh, they have a uh, very strong impact. I guess I'm not the only one. We all somehow have some strongholds that they're trying to pull us to the world. Once I take the heart. <laughs> Some of them, you know, they, they, they have been taken, they, they have been taken by the stronghold of the enemy ever since darkness. And then they feel that that actually hurt my knee more than it hurt yours. <laughs> successful in our careers or whatever, and we feel content 
But it's unbelievable how many people that I have um, ran into that I've said, you know, that I'm Christian and they're like, well, I am too. And it's just weird to know that when you speak about it and stuff, how many people open up to you and they say, well, I'm a Christian as well, you know, and stuff. So as much as we hold back, the more we talk about it, I think we would realize that there's more people out there that have kind of faded away and walked away from it, you know, and they're just not there. So I think that if we went out there and did what Pastor Shane has said and we've talked about here in Rome, is to go out and fellowship with other people, you know, and try and find people to disciple and stuff and to bring them in. There's a lot of people hurting out there. Regular day guy, woman, sister, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, for whatever reason, whether it be a loss of family member, whether it be job related, whether it be pride related, or whatever, that if we went out there and just opened up a little bit, you know, and I think that would be I still want to add in two and eight. See you guys either uh, tomorrow if I get enough sleep. Take care, brother. Right, hey, right. Have a good one. Where do you live? Right there on the west side of uh, Jay Jammy's right home. What? I'm just kidding. Oh. No, he's not. Can't believe her name was gonna <laughs> kick me out. <laughs> See you guys. See you. Renee, I thought the whole show. You know, like you were saying, uh, I think uh, men need more encouragement, more than a kick in the butt. Because yeah. you know, kick in the butt is what everybody gets. The world gets but I mean, if you encourage somebody in just, uh, uh, I don't know what you're going through, but let me pray for you, and uh, I don't know what will help, but it can't hurt. And that's what people don't understand. Sometimes it's just, you know, are you a believer? Just, just open up enough for somebody just to say, you know what, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that. Sometimes it just gives hope to somebody that they're not wrong. No matter what the struggle is, that's all, that's all it is. Just that, that hope that uh, somebody's there who's willing to just hear you. I mean, a kick in the butt nowadays is not bad either. Not what? Bad either. You're talking with your mouth full of bad either. <laughs> okay, ready? Is there any, we'll go off number two, is there any, um, any, is there anything I've done to divide the church or someone I need to seek reconciliation with? Yeah. You know, there's, I think we, we, we do that in a lot of ways because we do turn our heads, like George was saying, and like I was saying, is that we're really not, we're really not listening, we're just hearing what people say. And if we listen to them and actually listen, you can tell if somebody's hurting and stuff, you know, if we just turn away rather than be able to recognize those things and bring a brother, pick a brother up and stuff, because I think that that's like dividing a person. If 
you're not helping, you know, it's, I mean, it's not something purposely we do, but I think that's something that will bring division, you know, because all they do is they just fall a little bit lower. Same goes for me, too. That's when that person would would need the kick of the bike that time. I would also um, add in as well that social media and money makes that hard. I mean, I've always looked at money and social media being up to devil. That's important too. Got any thoughts on that, Mike? I don't know. I uh, I don't go along with all of it, you know. You don't have any social media? I think that, no, I, Jesus said, you brood of vipers. Did he tell them the truth or what? Sometimes you got to hit people square between the eyes. I mean, and is that really love? Because otherwise, if they don't really know the gospel truth, where are they headed? So is love sometimes very difficult to handle? He said you whitewash tombs. He said things like that. Subtle way to put it. Everything isn't all love. We'd like to think so. A lot of churches may preach it, but they don't always do it. Love is not about us. Love is about others, and sometimes it's about saving their eternal life. Truth, if you give it to people, they're going to hate you. And he also said that. Now, trying to say it in such a way is helpful, but some people can't take it in a kind, gentle way. They take you for being soft. Some people like to hear Christ was not soft. I'm talking right now, please. Okay? I didn't talk while you were talking. Okay, have respect, please. Okay? That's enough. Dr. Ryan, it's tough for people to take that truth and stuff. And, like, and, and I mean, I think we as believers are walking the way we should be, and that we should be able to be strong. And, and, and encourage them to be strong about it. And for the person that hurts, it's really probably convicted of how rather than anything. And, 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 and it's hard when you're kind of in the world or you're kind of wishy-washy and you're not, you're not, you don't want to hear it because you are living in this world and we're not of this world. But they took Jesus' life. Right. He told them to their face, knowing that what was going to happen to them. He still told them. He still loved Judas Iscariot to the end, knowing that he still betrayed him. But he did not lie to him. He said, go and do what you have got to do. Some people will do that. 
will have to deal with that. He said this road is narrow, meaning it is extremely difficult. It is not broad. Too many churches are trying to take a broad way. We'll take everybody in here. This is what the Bible says. Too much of the music is going just like everybody else's music out there. We're not set apart. You can't sugarcoat, right? I can't. And we shouldn't. Because all we're doing is that's what we're doing. Then we are dividing the church because we are sugarcoating it, right? right? And pacifying. Right. So, uh, everything's okay. Don't worry about it. Do it. You know what? He's like the same right now. Exhortation. Right. We need exhortation. We cannot always, you know, what we need is that you say. Exhortation, you know. It's to be welcome too. Not just, how do you say edifying or... A week ago, yesterday, I found a friend of mine dead. <laughs> He had told me that he was clean, and he wasn't. We had to tell his 12-year-old son three days ago. The truth killed him. I don't want to play with things like that. People's lives are at stake here. I don't want to continue to do things like that in my life. Why couldn't he have shared those things with me? Then you could have possibly helped him. Exactly. He was coming. He started going to Bible studies. He started doing those things. But he's not here now. And I'll have to live with that. I don't know that I could have done anything or not. I don't know. But at least he could have given you that chance, right? right. Instead of lying. I mean, if you're, that's the thing. We've got to be honest with one another and to ourselves as well. People's lives are at stake here. Their eternal value is at stake here. Jesus give his own life. This is so serious that it's, people don't even understand. They have no idea. What's crazy is that what he went through and stuff, and it's spelled out right here. It's easy if you read it. It's spelled out. Right. We are so stubborn. It's so we're not of this world, but we live in this world. We're in this world, and we we let the world take over on us, right? Yeah. All of these apostles, but one, were martyrs. And yet before that, every one of them ran away when Jesus was going to the cross. What changes our thinking? The real gospel truth, the Christ that we know that was resurrected, should change our life forever. It's not about having a better house, a better girlfriend, or better wife, or any of those things. This is serious. And when we understand what Christ did and the way that it comes about and we get people with the truth, most are going to reject because most of them rejected him.
Some people think they're going to come to church and life's going to get good. Let me tell you, it don't. It don't get good at all. It gets bad. The only thing that's really good about it, you don't have to do it alone. Christ is right there with you. And he's doing it or allowing it so that you are strengthened and you are built up and you are encouraged by him and the Holy Spirit to do the right thing whenever the world tells you, you go our direction. Take the easy way. Heard it right. They say becoming a Christian isn't easy. No, because it's attracted so hard you can't do it alone. You that's can only why, do it. That's why he did what only. he did. That's right for us to, to, to relieve us of all that. That's right. And, and, but it's just hard for us to understand that there are people that are not walking. I am absolutely powerless. I have no power whatsoever. He has all power. And I have to watch people do things that are so harmful and destructive to themselves, just like I do. Just like I do. The very first thing that Jesus says publicly at the Sermon on the Mount is you must be poor in spirit. You must be broken. If you're not broken yet, maybe go back out there and get some more. Until you are. I was going to add in too that um, I feel like the only way that makes it a percentage possible is because Christ died. Like I constantly wonder, because it's already hard and like damn near impossible after Christ died. But can, like, can you imagine how much even harder it would be if Christ didn't die? There would be no need. Because then you would be doing it on your own, through your own works. Uh, Christ did everything through the cross. Right. He's everything. And that's why we can't allow things like people, like Mormons, who say Christ was a made being like the devil was. So Christ didn't die on the cross, therefore Christ isn't your Savior. So we're going to do it by works. You see how we can't just let everybody talk to us all fun and games and loving love? You have to hit them with the truth. And that goes for a whole lot of the sects that are out there. They're not going to heaven. Because the Christ that they proclaim is not the one that you and I know. You know what I'm saying? When scary. people say the word God or whatever they say, you need to say, which one are you talking about? A made one? There's so many sects out there that are all going wrong, and that's where, where Satan is at right today. I'll confuse them. We'll do a lot of religions. Everybody will think they're all good. Uh -huh. George, what about number three? Huh? What practice can I do that encourages my brothers in Christ or love and good works? So looking up in Hebrews. And let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds. 
like Mike was saying, you know, sometimes encouragement is do the right thing because that's what the word says. Do the right thing because that's what the Bible says. Do the right thing because Christ says that don't do it in I believe in vain that you have to go through what the Bible says and that way there's no confusion. And at that point you are actually saying I am not the one telling you this. This is the Bible that says that's what you need to do. That's, that's the way it is. You can't argue against what the Word is. So sometimes the encouragement is do what God wants you to do. Because there's many people that do what they think is right. But the end of all is destruction. That's why the Bible says open rebuke is better than secret love. Because of the fact that when you encourage, like I've been encouraged by Greg and others, basically said, you can't change another person if you can change yourself. And if you can't change yourself, what are you doing trying to do something to someone else? So get yourself together. That's how you can People actually look at your life and they, they know if you're, if you're right or not. But once again, like he said, if your child kept running out in the street, you finally do something to keep that child from going in the street. Put up a fence. Well, possibly, but the child needs to learn that maybe there's many places aren't going to have a fence. Right. Can that child learn maybe possibly a really good spanking in the butt, some real pain, to tell you that this pain isn't quite as bad as death. That's right there. I hate to be me. That child's not going to like you. I didn't like the things my dad did to me. Pat on my ass. I'm grateful today, many years later, that he did because I see children that were left alone with nothing. No obedience. A lot of them aren't here. And that's where we are today, right? That's right. We have that chance to be encouragement, but there has to be a sufficient amount of pain sometimes. Discipline, yes. Right. It has to be. That's how they understand it in some ways. Just like we said a few minutes ago, brokenness. When we're broken, that's pain. It may not be physical pain, or it could be physical pain. Obviously, I have physical pain. Slap across the face. There's other people that have had just, you know, emotional pain, you know, different things and stuff. And it's, you know, it, it, it's. Yeah. Just a basic yes. having morals. Yes. They don't have them under and that's what we lost my right you know. Just being as parents just being strict to our children and teaching them and 
leading them the right way, but doing it out of love. And as parents, we should be able to do it out of love for our kids. Now, it's a little bit harder with other people, but as you're bringing them up, we got a lot better chance, I think, at that point than at this point, trying to go back to Brooklyn. Well, minister to other brothers and to, because we've already lived in this world. You know, we know it's world. The kids, if you're doing what you spiritually what you should be doing, and you're raising your children, you've got, I think, a better chance. Although, like they say, they may stray. But the one thing we do know is they do know the world. And that's what we brought them up. Unfortunately, I didn't bring mine up like that. It's a lot harder for me to do it now, but it, it's coming. It's, you know, you just got to stay, stay persistent. They see the fruit, they see what's going on. And, and that's what he says. You've got to do the 180, and then my children, I've got to let them know and see it. So, yes, yeah. I was going to want to ask you a question about... Um, 35 seconds left. Five seconds left? Or? Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I was going to ask you a question, Mike. Um... More or less out of uh, curiosity, when it comes to um, to uh, biblical discipline, I was more or less curious on how do does or how do parents? Bible says, spoil this, the child. Mm -hmm. Spare the rod, right? But more or less, how do you do it? In a sorry, I didn't interrupt. How do you do it in a way where they understand properly? Because you see them not do the same thing again. Consistent by the pain was sufficient enough to to correct the problem. Mm -hmm. People are too much today wanting to be what they think is somebody's friend. So and as a parent, you're not their friend. You're their parent, guide. God give you this job to do. You're not their friend. Right. You're their parent. Right. So you're like their their spiritual guide, right? You're everything. You're to guide them, I think. To guide yeah. them. Because at the end of the day, there's going to come a time uh -huh. when that child, you're not going to have no control over. So what you, you've got these certain amount of years, and believe it or not, I think those certain amount of years are a lot less than what we actually think. There's only like maybe from birth to like 10 years old. But they're already set in their mind what's going on and what's gonna, what they're doing. And we can't see them. So we've got to get them at an early age. Right. And we've got to press into them. Right? They pick up things like sponges. They're like sponges. Yeah, and they watch your, they, they watch the parents and stuff. Right. Sure, so you just the word. Right. The same as you. You've got to be consistent. Uh -huh. You've got to just push into it. And as they get older, me, you, it's hard to press it. Uh -huh. But for me, just becoming a Christian stuff and really not being spiritual believer and all that. My kids know that and they believe. But it's a lot different now. There was morals I taught to them and stuff and respect and all that. And that was just God with His grace leading me to at least bring them up, you know, in a respectful way. Right. But now today, I can bring them the Bible and bring them up in a loving, Christian way, you know, and stuff. So it's, it's a lot of work. So it's, tough. so it's basically just like how when you build a house, 
from scratch. You have to start the foundation. And so I feel like when it comes to biblical teaching and stuff like that, you want to really make sure that foundation is fully strong before you can then bring on the knowledge, wisdom, and etc. Kind of how I look at it. Says the end times that men will become lovers of self. What does that mean? Or there. They're lovers, right? Or there. But what does that mean? It also says that whenever I have come, I have caused division in the family. Mother and daughter will not, or not enjoy, or not love one another. I have come. Out of times is not peace. People have to understand there's two sides of a lot of things that he said. Wait, what does that mean by by? Okay, sometimes one person in a family becomes a Christian. The others do not like it. You've ever read the story of Joseph? His brothers tried to kill him. Oh, yeah. Later, throughout life, he had life very difficult. He forgave them and got everything back together, but his whole life they tried to kill him. We like that sometimes. Yeah. We may think that we're godly, but the other people that are around us hate us. Maybe we've stopped doing some kind of behavior. And they don't look at it as something that is good. They don't look at it the same way. Did we still need to love them? Oh, yeah. There's, he did. Right. He did. That's why they got back together. Right. Because of his love, right. not theirs. Right. right. That's the point. Right. The point. Yeah. 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 Does anybody got anything else on that one or we can move on? What does it mean to bear one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ? I would look at it like to be a leaning shoulder to cry on, a friend in need, someone you can talk to no matter how late it is, no matter where you are, what you're doing, you're there, you're present, you're able to help guide them, give spiritual wisdom, give knowledge. So I look at it. What about you? Brokenness, are you saying brokenness? Like, how do you know when you're actually broken? Like, ah, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, I've been broken. I've been in this. I've been down now. But like, I'm living a better life. But not, not a full, like, like a full, like a full brokenness or whatever. I don't know what it is or what. My pride or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, I want to be more in God. I want more involved. Thank God, you know what I mean, like, oh, yeah. uh, something right there, like, I don't know if I'm not, not broken enough, or, or, like, my pride, but I have too much pride, but either way, like, I'm, I'm already, like, I've been broken like what is like what is your rock bottom yeah like where is my rock I know I've been there I've been there. you've been to rock bottom yeah, I've been but there. right now it's so just it is I'm just this is what I think you're saying kind of is that you've been broken to the bottom and 
you're trying to climb and stuff, but you just don't feel like you're in. You've got them all. That 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 you just laid it down and you put that 180 and got to ask yourself this, right? You got to ask yourself, what do I need to repent for? What do I, what am I doing? What do I need to repent for? And, 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 and so I can be that total godly man that I want to be. And it's, it's for the brothers that you want to share with to help you understand that. Or it's for you to try and understand yourself, I think you just need to pray. Ask yourself, God, reveal to me, show me. You know, and just repent for whatever is foreseen or, or unforeseen that you have not, that you can't remember, that you just want to repent because you want to be closer to Him. You want to be that godly man. You want to feel that sovereignty that He has for us. So, I don't know, that's just, you know, what, and, and I don't know if anybody else has anything they want to say that stuff, but I mean, it's definitely, I mean, I get it because sometimes even I think it's totally feeling like you're doing the right thing. We all at one time, I think, or another, feel like, man, I'm not doing the right thing. Well, if we look, what have we done that we need to go and for? You know, and especially for people that have been totally broken and, you know, have done different things, you just, you you just got to walk. I think what you need, Gilbert, you need, you need a someone to mentor you. From that way, at that point, if you have questions, you can call somebody up, hey, I'm, this is my struggle, or this is what I need help with. How can I, you know, overcome whatever, whatever your struggle may be? And that, that's what you may need. I got a couple guys like Phil, Phil, Phil. Yeah, Phil always, Phil always looks out, he always hits me up, and I always talk to him. Like, but like, then it goes, and then my pride gets in the way, but like, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to tell nobody nothing. Like, like I just, I, I'm, I'm not opening up. I don't trust somebody. Like, I don't trust somebody, or if I said too much, like, stuff like that. But it's just my, and sometimes my pride gets in the way of what I need to say and what I need to do. That's why transparency, you know, you put it to the light. Once you put it to the light, God can deal with it. But if you hold on to it, that's the whole thing with, with being in, the, in this kind of group. You know, just find someone or several guys, whatever you, you feel that you can open up and say, I'm struggling with this. You know, can I give you a phone call if I have a problem? You know, can we meet? Can we do this? That That's where uh, it makes a big difference. Because if, if you don't, then like, like the brother says, you can't do it by yourself. You know, because it's, it's a struggle. And if it's a struggle when you become a Christian, it's more of a struggle when you do it by yourself. And everything that is said within these tables, stays, you know, within us and stuff. And, you know, that's, and that's one good thing I think that we can all do and stuff. And I know there's a right there. Were you here last Sunday? Did you come to the show? Yeah? Do you have a CD player at home? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 u
The Holy Spirit's got to see talk out of me, right? He's kicked me. I mean, he kicked me five, six times <laughs> and stuff. And, you know, I think no, that he, he put it on his plate. Oh, no, that was good, too. That was good, too. No, but I, I sit here with him Sunday, and he disrupted Joe at least ten times. So oh, yeah. our lesson sucked, right. you know, and Joe should have just, you know, uh, we'll, I'll answer all your questions later, but you're disrupting 20 people in here. Right. No, you're for you to be able to run your mouth. Right, right, you know, right. next time you can teach and we'll all sit down and ask you all day. Teach. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I know. That's all right, though. But I'm just saying, I know. Is we just need to give, I think, so we don't get divided and stuff and try. And then if we have to, we got to turn our backs on like the family, right? Sometimes you might get divided that way. And that's just again, is the truth best or what? I don't know. The truth has got to be the best. I see everybody letting go for 10 places, 10 different times we've been here, and still the same thing happens. Right, right. I'm always, hey, like today, during the, during the things like today, and I'm like, See, if he's talking, he's not listening. Right. Right. And so that is the problem where nothing's coming in. Right, right, right. People have to learn to be listeners or you cannot take anything in. You already know what you're going to say. It's already in your brain. You can't say it all the time. Listen. Anybody got anything you want to say on that? I'm going to hit on number six on the way. It's how can we live in love and gentleness? Help us with those that have different opinions, interpretations, or beliefs with us. Okay, once again, it is important that we say something in truth. It has to be in love, but does God's word enforce what we're saying? See, my opinion isn't worth that. Nothing. It's nothing. Absolutely nothing. But God's word says it, and I believe it, and I'm talking with somebody. How important is that? Their eternal salvation may be at stake. Of the 106 Christian coalitions that are in the United States and abroad, a hundred and one of them do not believe in the genesis that God created the world. That means only five of them do. So if God didn't create this world, then where does the Bible start? You see our teaching is starting to go in the toilet as well. You either believe all of this book or you don't believe it at all. And God doesn't start back here, you know, in the next pages or this pages or that. So these are things that are important that people have to know the truth. We're not helping them by just saying, oh, I love you. <laughs> Continue on doing your foolishness. I'd rather have them hate me and get into the kingdom of God by knowing the truth than them like me and miss it all together. See, that may be real love. So the question is, is where is your definition of love? And once again, it goes back to that child. Do I spank that child because I truly want them to stay out of the treat? I don't want to see them die. Or do I just let them do whatever they want to do? See, where is your definition of love? 
sometimes we don't spank our children. Sometimes we may say, look, I'm a little too angry right now. I need to calm down. And I'm too angry to discipline you right now. I'll do it tomorrow or we'll talk about it or something. Not everything has to be a spanking. I don't mean that. But sometimes if the thing continues to reoccur, something more has to be done. But it can be, if you discipline a child, right. and if you train them the way they should right. go, when they're old, they will not depart. Perish. That means that basically you teach them the way that it should be. And sometimes it's an open rebuke. Sometimes it is a spanking. I mean, because I'm 65, I spanked my kids. And there was nothing wrong with it. That's just the way Different it is. era, though. Okay? I wish I would spank my grandkids because my dad spanked my kids. They said, they did this, is disrespecting me, I whipped their butt. And I'm like, okay, dad. They did something to disrespect you, more power to you. But see, people don't do that. And, and the thing about that today is, is that because the enemy has gotten in and all that, you know, the kids are called cops, just do that. I used to tell my kids all the time, though, hey, you want me to dial the cops for you? Because guess what? They all have kids, and they're trained. They'll know if I'm beating you, or they know if you're getting a good butt whooping. We'll call them, I'll call them for you. It's not a problem. And if we've lost God, those morals and stuff, the enemy is just throwing those guards and, you know, it's tough. And, and it's, it's tough for the, 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 the generation of my kids and my kids because they're brought up in a whole other, another realm. I mean, they talk on this internet stuff that you can curse out your parents and they can't do this and they can't do right. that. And I can be any kind of sex I want to be because I just want attention. If you or I would have said when we were young that we were gay, you probably got your ass lit by somebody. Yeah. Today, it's different. It's like, I want to be gay because I want to be different. They don't even know what they're using that thing for. You know, and it's just like, it's just being out there. It's being different. The world is in a different place today. And that's why it's up to us. Right. To fellowship like this, to, 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 to strengthen our arms and ourselves. Just like Gary said with And to go out and be equipped to be able to speak to different brothers and different people. And, and, and you know, I mean, I don't I mean, they're being educated these gentlemen, but there's something I might say that will help someone, you know. And, and as long as I'm out there trying, he's going to give me something. That somebody's gonna be able to pay. I believe that. I truly believe that. How are you feeling, Tony? You feeling awake? If you could, if you, I feel, I feel like I need it out. Good, good. Didn't hold it back. Shut up. You breathe. Tony, you should do that thing that you do when you go, you know, that. Like at the gym, do that. Yeah. 
start the prayer and you can end it or whatever. Father, we come to you in your name. Father, we ask for guidance. We ask for your love to cover a multitude of sins. But we also ask for the truth. And that truth will set us free. Father, I pray for my brother Tony that you would touch him, strengthen him during this time of struggle. I pray for Gilbert that uh, you need your guidance to be that father and to be that husband that he needs to be. I pray for all the needs in this table, Father. Bless us and keep us until we meet again. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Father God, you know, I, I just want to thank you for just allowing us, my brothers, everyone that has been able to make it here tonight, to just be able to fellowship and just hear your word, Father, that we can all learn something from one another and hear our testimonies, Father. And I just ask for that hedge of protection around all of us as we journey home tonight and that you for those that need to see something or hear something just show them father let them know how you have father god and i just thank you for watching over our pastors our family our whole congregation father god in your name father amen 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 I have your number, right, Renee? How are you? What's new with you, Sal? Say, how's the 5G network going? 5G? Radiation's pretty strong. Radiation, nothing but cancer in the air. Nothing but some good old COVID-19 and cancer. Man, how you been? What's new with you? I don't have cancer and I don't have COVID, so that's new. You have the 5G though, so. I'm carrying it. That's right, you're carrying it, you're supplying it. What do you got? XR? You got the XR? Not 5G, it's 4G. Mint Mobile doesn't provide 5G. Mint Mobile doesn't provide 5G yet. I'm pretty sure I might eventually, because I'm staying with Mint. I'm not going to Mint. When you're cheap, and you're like living like living large like me. Have you tried out Paul's mobile? You got mid mobile. No, mid mobile's real. I don't know what everything you were saying. That ain't real. I could be that person standing you know, See, imagine me at the front of your store telling everybody, don't go inside, switch to me. You don't want to buy from him. Thank you, everybody. 
That would be me. Yeah. T-Mobile's expensive, man. No, it's not. We're the cheapest from the main competitor. I would say not not Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile. AT&T and Verizon. I don't have a phone to let me know. Do I take this? Yeah, I'll take this one. Yeah, well, I'm paying 80 bucks. It's probably from like three days ago. Oh yeah, you just see it. Yeah, you said that. No, I sent my stuff on top. My stuff was like yeah. it's, it's dated three days ago. Yeah. <laughs> you see it. You see it. I think you have to turn off the results. Wait, what? Really? Take them off. I don't get them anymore. Yeah. I, I used to get red ones. And then I would cloud it. Or. Later or. Later or. Later or. Okay. See ya. Who's the vote? So what I was trying to tell you, I was trying to sign because I didn't want to interrupt. You know, Mr. You? Harsh guy. They didn't want to interrupt. Oh, really? I, no, I was getting, I was getting some like verbal beatdowns over there by Mike. You, first of all, talking about I took him off because of you. That's not you right. Me. That, no. You said you focus. I'm at church. No, it's always like that. I'm church focused. School focus, work focus, meeting focus, church focus, sleep focus. Yeah. So if I'm sleeping, you get one. I have to be like. Hello. 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 Of course, I get to notify you. Anyway. You know how it is, so. Oh yeah, this is what I was telling you. Because I used to get this from you. Now I don't get anymore. So when I see something, right? You see how it says delivered, right? But when I look at it, I'll literally go here, here. Oh, that's because it's on the watch. But I have to go in there. So what I do is, I used to no, go here. Oh, you do get send receipts. But why do I not get those? I think you just signed it. So, is it that way on the watch, or? Whenever you repeat the like the or read it in your watch. Maybe it, maybe my watch is different than my phone. Do you think it would be on the phone? Yeah.